Osiris. Count to three. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Lost Highway Podcast. This is episode 63. My name is Daniel Donato, and this is the podcast of all things Cosmic Country. We are brought to you today by Osiris Media, because this road needs a place to go. And our friends over at Topo Chico for keeping us hydrated. Here is something that I recently uh, read from Frederick Nietzsche, which I really love. Uh, Here we go. My formula for greatness in a human being is amor fati. That one wants nothing to be different, not forward, not backward, not in all eternity. Again, my formula for greatness in a human being is amor fati. That one wants nothing to be different, not forward, not backward, not in all eternity. Amor fati. It's a very interesting concept. It's the, I guess what it brings you to is a a literal necessity to serve the reality that is all you've ever had is the present moment. You've never actually lived in the past. You just have memories of the past and you've never been living in the future. You've only hypothesized it. And you might recognize qualities of what your projections of what the future would be um, in your present moment because the present moment that you are hearing, that you are hearing, feeling, seeing now is uh, what was once the future to you. But it was, it has only been a linear, um, unveiling of present moment to present moment to present moment and if you can find a way to almost in the way that nikola tesla would say that all things are made up of energy vibration or frequency if you can recognize that you are made of energy and you are vibrating as because you're changing you eventually die means you're in a constant state of change you are vibrating at a frequency so you are energy a collection vibrating at a frequency now with our consciousness you can have some free will equity in deciding how you feel and how you are reacting and how you are using your mind to compound the feelings that you have into your outside of into out of your your internal world into your external world right because how you feel inside directly affects the way that the outside world appears and treats you so if you can find a way to enjoy the present moment if you can find a way to see the beauty in whatever it is that is happening or try to empathize with it rather because thinking is different than feeling to feel something is very real and i find often that images help our mind understands images more than it does words our consciousness is is visually cued um that's how it works so images are it if you can find a way to relate to the present moment image that is your dimensional reality right in front of you that you are absolutely in at all moments in time you can find a way to positively radiate i'm vibrating with love and light pulsating with love and light tom marshall tranastasio it's like how can you do that most of the time (laughs) and like that to me if you're thinking of what is a good value and a good ideal and perhaps a good way to think about approaching life an approach is different than an answer an answer implies that there is that it is done but there is a dot 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 there is an ellipses on all present moments that lead to the next one so an approach is more suited for an ellipses than a an answer is suited for a period um, amor fati, my formula for greatness in a human being is amor fati, that one wants nothing 
to be different, not forward, not backward, not all eternity. Because what that does ultimately means that you're taking the full responsibility and ownership to be present and to use as much of your free will, as much of your vision and your intention, your positivity, patience, persistence, all these things uh, that guide your moral hierarchy, your value structure that you operate in life with. These guide you and you use them to talk to yourself and then the way you talk to yourself is how you talk to the world these structure your internal world and your external worlds that you live in so if, if possible i challenge you which i challenge myself of course first to find a way to legitimately try to connect and empathize in a positive way with whatever with, with whatever is happening to you in your life um even the ten thousand dollar credit card bill that i forgot that we had this month it was like oh my god but then you look back at the transactions and it's like okay well it was for these things in business and it was for this endeavor so i can i can hate that cost ten thousand dollars but still it's okay it's not you're not gonna die it's all right a more fati y'all keep that in mind and no more sharing of financial information uh that is not a very necessary thing and then one more thing i want to mention to y'all is that we are brought to you by betterhelp.com this is very very fascinating um improvement in the world of mental health uh, all of my friends are a lot older than me, say, uh, th some of them uh, d t twice my age over. Uh, all we can talk about everyone I, when I speak with them is how much better of an understanding our generation has for mental health. And I think we have technology to thank for that. And the people who are better help are a great example of that. Um, so what betterhelp.com is, is that these are very smart doctors. These are licensed people who have degrees that will sit down with you and help you analyze your problems, the things that you might be feeling in your life, which might be relationship problems, work problems, health, personal problems. Uh, you can't sleep, you have depression, you have anxiety, you have anger, you have bitterment, you have resentment, you're just generally confused, you might be existentially unsound, you might find yourself uh, leaning towards a perhaps a rather Marxist ideal and you want to uh, you know, bring yourself more to a center place in life, I don't know. Betterhelp.com you can find somebody who will speak with you over the internet uh, so you don't have to go into the office and you don't have to risk any health hazards and all of your information is shared extremely privately and there's nothing that's leaked or is being sold to any advertising companies. Um, and if you want, you can get a 10% discount by going to betterhelp.com slash lost highway. I cannot recommend betterhelp.com enough. If you're wanting to talk to somebody who you don't know but knows the patterns that you partake in and will help you understand from an objective point of view things that you can do to help organize your immediate environment to help propel you to success in a life of patience, persistence, positivity, much more so, um, which is which is brilliant. Um, Betterhelp.com slash Lost Highway for 10% off. My next guest today is Mr. Dave Simonette of Trampled by Turtles. I've been a Trampled by Turtles fan for probably close to 10 years now. I've been listening to them since I graduated high school. They are a marvelous example of what a hardworking, blue-collar American band says, looks like, sounds like, and does because they've been playing together for years. They make all of their own music. They produce it all, and it's all done through a 
a bubble that is only structured by their own influence. They're not trying to hit for commercial success. They're not trying to perhaps sacrifice a certain part of their value to, to get a big radio hit or anything like that. And I think that's why they've had such a successful career and they're playing Red Rocks still 10 years into their career. It's, it's truly an amazing band. We had the opportunity, uh, Cosmic Country, to open up a show for them uh, back in, um, I think it was May or June, and it was hot as hell outside. And Dave and I sat in the the dressing room in the green room and had this conversation on on two sure handheld microphones uh, in between sound checks. And this was just a marvelous um, meeting of the minds on what was pretty much both of our first tours since uh, the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I, I love this conversation. It's very in-depth and it's very much tour-centric and story-heavy. I, I cannot wait for y'all to hear it. Mr. Dave Simonette of Trampled by Turtles, y'all. Yeah. You know, all the last year we were just doing them remotely and um, you have like the nice Zoom like SM7 right. setup that's like all Joe Rogan style, but you know. It's bigger. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. bigger. It sounds a little bit different, but sure. I'd rather be out playing. I can get more meaning out of life, like playing music. It seems like I missed it. Did you? Yeah. 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 I mean, I did, and and I also really appreciated the time at home, though. Man, uh, I think my manager was talking with um, a, a representative of yours over at Thirty Tigers, and they said you were out in the woods for like a week with your family. Yeah, lots of times. I mean, we kind of just uh, maybe made up for a lot of lost time with my kids and stuff like that, you know. Wow. Where were y'all going? Uh, well, we we recently bought some land actually in, in northern Minnesota, like way up kind of by the Boundary Waters, if you know where that is. No. Near Canada. The Boundary Waters is this group of, I don't know, 5,000 lakes or something like that. That's a protected wilderness oh, on the dude. border of the US, of Minnesota and Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like south of that, just a little bit. So just like a little chunk of woods. So we've been How many acres? clearing just uh, five on a little lake. So clearing oh trees and camping out, and the kids oh. have been <coughs> up there with me quite a bit. That's great. And uh, got to spend a lot of time doing that kind of stuff. Like, how old are your kids? Um, my daughter's ten, and my son is eight. And then my partner Chloe has a seven-year-old daughter. They all and we all live together. My gosh, my sister's ten, and she's learning how to curse. You have a ten-year-old sister. I have a ten-year-old yeah. sister. <laughs> yeah, my parents thought they were done, and then they yep. had the mistake. But. Hello. Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy. Ten is like, I get reminded daily of like how, how you have the opportunity to, to discover life still. Yeah, it's a cool age. I mean, both, all three of them really, ten, eight, and seven. I, I say this every year, but every year it becomes like my new favorite age what? for those kids. Yeah. And it's cool to see, you know, my, my son and I like to go fishing together now, and they love to come out uh, to shows. They came down to like a, I, I have a, uh, in July, I have I'm playing a solo show, right? Like with a band opening for somebody, mm-hmm. and this this group of guys has never played together, so we had rehearsals, and the kids came to that, and they love it, and they're they're both starting to play music a little bit, and they're just oh. at an age now where they get to become they're just like these little people, yeah, you know, and they they're so interested in everything, and this is uh, they're not jaded about anything yet, and it's this beautiful time period, you know, pre yeah. before they hit the teenage years. Right, then you get like an identity that has all these opinions attached to it. Yeah, that you have to uphold. Sure. I mean, I I kind of remember what that was like, but I think a lot of times parents are so much older and so far away removed from those years that it's hard to kind of relate. And mm. I know that that's probably coming for me. Oh, that's beautiful, man. You know, I think it's the um, empathy. Yeah, the more empathy you could have for someone at that age, the more you can kind of be in their shoes. Sure. 
That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's, a, that's, you know, teenage years, man. That's like a necessary... I think biologically it's probably, wow. you know, they're trying to leave the nest or whatever. And, and <laughs> yeah. so they, they try to really carve out their own... Um, you know, I'm not a child psychologist or anything, but that's just what it seems like. And, and it's Are you hard. into psychology at all? No. Do you study anything <laughs> I, like that? Or? How, I, on the side a little bit, but never in school, no. I find a lot of creative people do. They, they're, they're interested. Right, because I feel like there's a real tie there. The more you can learn about yourself, the more you can learn about that part of yourself that sure. is you're in touch with them. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and sometimes it's even as practical as like, what the hell's wrong with me? You know, like, you know, a lot of people that, that are in the creative world or whatever, it's just such an, a non-typical lifestyle that I think you're, you really, there's a lot of loneliness in there a little that can, that so can much. become prevalent. Right. Yeah. And it's really helpful, you know, talking with people that are also in the same kind of way of life. It's always helpful, but it's <laughs> it's interesting to find out what your brain's up to or what your kids' brain's up to, especially. Ooh, that's a whole heavier level, can, right? My God, yeah, my gosh. The one that I discovered recently, because we had this year off of not really touring, we were just down in Austin. We had this sold out show, and um, it was like our biggest show we've ever done sold out. It was like five hundred people. All right, and. Um, it felt odd, and I, I realized the feeling I had afterwards was imposter syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's good to know that my problems aren't my own. Like right. a lot of people have them. I feel like everybody I know in music has had that or has that, or it's always. I mean, it, you're right. You're, it, especially now, if you pay any attention at all to social media yeah. or whatever, it's so easy to compare yourself to other people, right? And I feel like that's where that, like, what you said, imposter syndrome comes <laughs> from. Oh, it's got to be stemming from that somehow. Yeah. Like, I don't have as many followers as this one person. Right. I have as many streams. Yeah, a lot of ways to get down on yourself like that, you know. I feel like those things don't really fuck with you because you guys have had, you know, you have eight albums, which is a lot. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you guys have been out for over 10 years. Like, you already have Almost, I think we're at 18 years at the moment. We started in 2003. Oh, my gosh. You were already a band for five years before you put anything out? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's I a mean, long time. It, yeah, we've been, and it's been the same group of guys. Uh, a couple of people have joined. You sure. know, we started with four. Um, so a lot of the, the core group of, of us have been together for yeah a bit now. Eighteen's a long time. Yeah. It's almost two decades. I feel like it's a it's a um a, <gasps> I feel like it's a genuine accomplishment. <laughs> you know, that's there's the a lot dream. of ways a band can break up. My God, yeah. How how big of a deal is like just transparent communication? Yeah, I think that's that's real big. Um, and also just, I mean, you get to know each other. And it's like you said before, it's empathy. Man. I feel like that's a real thing, especially in touring, which you know. It's like you got to give, everybody's got to be able to live as much as of their own life as possible while in this group. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like that's what makes people more comfortable. So they don't have to change, um, uncomfortably change to go on tour you know, everybody can kind of, you know, you know when somebody needs space. So, you know, mm-hmm. somebody, this, you know, so-and-so needs this or so-and-so needs that. And as long as it's not damaging the group to give it to them, then, you know, but just paying attention mm-hmm. to that, I feel like it's really important. You didn't always have a family when you were touring. Right, right. And that's the thing I'm, I'm reminded of today is like whenever things become a little frustrating, it's like, I think, you know, you would compound it by like two or three if you had kids in terms of how stressful things might be. Absolutely. And, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that and still, and still stay cool? Uh, well, you know, it hasn't been easy. I mean, I, you know, I went through a divorce probably mainly because of it. Mm. Um, but 
it also has been um I guess it's the I mean the only thing I, that really ever gets me down about touring is missing my kids, you know. Okay. And um that's 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 I mean there's whatever there's lots of things that can that can wear people out uh touring, but that one but that being said, I would never go back. Like it, it that has added so much to my life that it seems like it's a oh, really small price to pay. And now that they get a little older, they're able to come out sometimes and share it. And um, oh, it makes it even better when it's like that, you know. So it's it's just a, right when I'm in our early 20s and just the band. And it's like the band is like the most important thing in the world. <laughs> and yep, um, totally. And you can devote all your energy to it and time to it. And, that, and that's a special time. And I'm really happy I had that. You know, like we started at a time when we could all just quit our you know, piddly day jobs that we had and, and get into a van and go make no money. And we were able to do that for, for, uh, years. And, um, and then when the kid, my kids came along, Eric, uh, our mandolin player has a couple kids too. And the family start to grow. Then it becomes like this beautiful addition to it. You know, mm. that's how I think of it. Anyway. That reminds me of the, like <clears throat> the perspective that you can kind of choose to embrace life with which is feast or famine right yes yeah, and that's feast yeah right i think so i mean that's beautiful it can really be great all of it you know it's a finding a balance i guess just you know being able to like i said this time off pandemic time off was really really good for all of us i think because maybe anybody who's self-employed has the same thing it's really hard to turn down work it's in really that, hard in that respect right because especially in music man you never know it's really hard to predict what's going to happen. Um, so we just tour and we tour cause that's our job and we tour, tour, tour. But you know, when we, when we go home and have a year and a half off or whatever, all of a sudden, at least I realized like, wow, I, I needed a break. I didn't really realize it. Mm. And so I, I enjoyed it immensely as being at home for this time. And it made me really excited to come back out and play. Yeah. You know, right. Distance it- makes the heart grow fonder or whatever. That's so true, though. I like cliches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, come, Cliche. they're there for a reason, usually. It's funny, like, why things stick around for a reason. We were thinking about this with, um, I was playing the, in the van today, I was playing some of the songs. Um, and I have a question I want to ask you all about that. But I was telling the, the guys in my van, it's like, think of why, like, why have the same four chords in music, like, been used for 500 over years? You know, right. it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's the same thing with some cliches. It's like, I wonder if there's like a truth resonance like in our subconscious that we're not even aware of. Like, sure. Things like that. And it's like those phrases that we say and these chords that we play and even these topics that we write about, man. It's like, they're not all that far removed from each other. It could be too. I th- feel like every human life, no matter where you start, where you are in the world, whatever, there's certain things that everybody learns, I feel like. And right. that's one of them, right? Some Most... Wow. You know, you can never say everybody, but most people mm-hmm. will find something in their life that teaches them that when they're away from something they enjoy, they really want it. And so that that's kind of a thing, you know, that cliche can can relate to anybody in the world, probably. You of know? course. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. So I feel like those things are the ones that it's like collective unconscious, maybe. The collective unconscious is a dangerous place. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Carl Jung. Yeah. 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 That that guy had, um, you know, speaking of the owl on your arm, you know, the owl is a symbol of of foreshadowing death. Yeah, in some cultures, yeah. And, and does it have a meaning in other cultures as well? That I don't know. 
I would say that's a badass tattoo. I don't have any, <laughs> but that'd be a that's a a brave one to get. We actually had a little <laughs> bit of an issue, not with the tattoo, but with because we have these big our stage design at the moment has these giant owls in the backdrop, and we played a show uh, two years ago, or whatever. We're going back there again this year. It's it's a this it's a big amphitheater, but it's at a casino on a native on a Dakota reservation in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And they're one of the cultures that feels that way about the owl. Mm-hmm. And so they asked that we not bring our big owls in sure. for the stage. You know what I mean? And I was sure. like, oh, yeah, I guess we should probably be a little more sensitive about that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Isn't but, that so funny being reminded of how you, you could be more empathetic when you weren't even thinking about it? Wasn't, it wasn't. You know, you know, it didn't even cross my mind. So it was a good lesson. Three, too. Yeah. yeah, three of them. That's another crazy thing too. Right. That's like the the universal meaning behind three. Sure. Yeah, that's wild. And um, on Spotify, because <clears throat> that's that's how we all get into music in in some way. Now it's the easiest, fastest way. This is something I'm really big on because the way I started playing music was in honky tonks in Nashville, just for tips. Yeah. All you played were songs that were written by other people. Sure. And two of y'all's most popular songs are fantastic covers of songs. I wanted to kind of hear about your philosophy because. You're so individually realized in your own writing, you know, like your first big song was so unique, like the, the way you guys play it, the way your lyrics read and the way that you sing them, it's so realized to have that much of a realization in yourself and then to go and cover songs. That's a pretty humble, but also admirable act. I want to get your philosophy behind like originality. Uh, I, I mean, I'll say that I love playing other people's music. Me too. Yeah, it's wonderful. Me and too. And there's, there's something light about it, you know? Yeah. And we, when we recorded that little EP of covers, it was so fun. And we had a pile of songs, you know, and just picked. We were like, let's keep making these. So we'll, we'll take like, we'll go record, you know, three or four of these at a time, four or five of them at a time, whatever. And it, it is so great. And I feel like all of us that play, that's how you learn to play, right? Like mm. playing, like what you were saying, you cut your teeth doing that. Mm. And so a lot of those songs, are, it's a really deep uh, meaning for you know, inside of me anyway, inside of everybody, you play these songs that you grew up listening to or that really hit you in some way or just because they're fun to play. And I think uh, it's a good way to just kind of uh, remember why we do it, <laughs> you know, just to, because it's a gas, <laughs> you know. Um, originality, I I don't know. I mean, that that's, uh, that's a big gray area, I feel like. Oh, wow. Because I feel like it's really, I mean... Yeah. You know, I, and at least I can only speak for myself because it's the only person I know in this <laughs> way, but coming up with a song, writing a song, whatever, even if I feel like it's something that I'd never really kind of heard before, it's, to me, it's still this distillation of all of this music I've listened to. Yes. Um, books I've read, whatever, you know, the weather outside. It's all these things that come in you and come out in this way. And like you said before, I mean, I'm using the same chords as everybody else is, so right. How original can you get? I think there's some real cutting edge people, and there always are. I don't ever put our, myself in that group. It, it, that's not where I, I am the most creative. You know, some people are really just searching, like this beautiful artistic vision to find find something that really sounds like nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that's I you know that that's a human thing, and I hope, don't think that'll ever stop in art. But Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. I mean, I, I love I always love hearing things that that to me, don't sound like anything else. Yeah. But I think if really there's so much music in the world that exists and that comes out that if you look hard enough, you probably can find something else that sounds quite a bit like it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's um, music we, especially the music that you make, it's, it's not really bound to any like new technology. 
No, definitely it's not. It's almost like the opposite. It's yeah. almost like you want to actually remind people of a, of a, of a different approach to well, life. When we were starting way. out, all of us were, you know, the four of us that started, three of us were playing in like rock bands. And none of us had any ex- experience playing in a band like this. So I'm, I didn't. I had never heard any kind of bluegrass music, or uh, I heard a little bit of folk, like '70s folk music, from my parents growing up. Right. Um, but never really into anything on the acoustic side of playing. I mean, so it was. It was started as kind of an exercise. Like we just wanted to try this little side project to try something. You know, in Duluth, Minnesota, in the early 2000s, I didn't know of anybody playing a banjo. And that's not to say that there wasn't. I just didn't know of anybody. Like, it wasn't common here sure. or there. Um, and so we thought, you know, talking about individuality, there was like, oh, there's this space that's empty. Maybe we could try we should check something out like this. And um, we started learning. Like, I, I, at that time, you know, you said Spotify, but this was before all that. So we went, we'd go to the record store. Oh, yeah. There's this wonderful used record store downtown Duluth back then in fine, like, all these obscure old like country and bluegrass records and listen to them and learn some of the songs. Who are some of those artists? Um, well, <clears throat> some one that sticks out that's not obscure would mm-hmm. be, uh, I mean, I, but he was to me at the time was Bill Monroe, which is probably the least obscure bluegrass mm. musician being he invented yeah. it. But I, you know, as a 22 year old uh, who grew up listening to punk rock, I had, I'd never heard of this guy. And right. I found like the, ra- the raw energy that I had seen in, in, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, music I was really into, and in Duluth at the time had this great like kind of garage rocky, lo-fi rock scene, and the just you know not not like technically amazing musicians, but just so much vibe, and that's the stuff I've always really been into. And then you find Bluegrass, which is like these technically amazing musicians, but they still had like the original stuff I listened to. Still, to me, still had like this kind of rawness to it uh, it's really vague but m- maybe more of like a like a blue collar band i mean these guys are like coal miners kids you know yeah and so you can feel their pain yeah and it, it was like, it's so that's that stuff really attracted me to it anyway but um then you know we did that for a little bit and then we decided <laughs> that it would be a fun exercise to try to you know write the songs that maybe i would write for the rock band and but just use this instrumentation for it, and that's that's kind of when I think we started being like a a, a cohesive band, I guess. Mm. It sounds like I think Einstein said it right. He was like, if you don't understand something simply, uh, you can't explain it simply. You don't understand it. Right. And it's like, yeah. I mean, what a creative like fundamentally. That's a really creative and original approach. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Um, it felt it was just exciting, you know, at the time, and it's I still feel like. The reason that the playing in this band is still exciting for me is that I still feel like that's still the the uh, method, right? We like to tell take these songs. I wrote write, write these songs, and then you know I have all of us have all these other side projects now. I mean, I mm-hmm. I could put it in any band that I have, mm-hmm. um, but when you put it in this one, it's 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 still trying to find like an original way to to make this song sound. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like it, not like itself. That's dumb. But just to just to like, okay, there's a song that we could play with two electric guitars, a drum, and a bass, oh, or yeah. we could try with this group, and 
it won't sound anything like it, you know, but it's the same three chords, it's the same lyrics and all that. So it's been kind of a fun exercise in that, I guess. And the way you guys play songs is like ferocious and angsty and <laughs> yeah, yeah, existentially unsound. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes it's that, you know, the older we get, I feel like admittedly the less that comes out, but... Um, yeah, I, I also don't want to just do that same, you know, I just don't want to do that for 20 years either, you know. Man, that's the thing I'm thinking of now. Like, I've been doing it for 12 years, and I'm thinking, you know, what about, I'm 26, and so when I'm 40, right, and I I won't be this existentially unsound. Maybe I will, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it sounds like it gets a little more complex as you get up there. You get land, and you get kids and shit, but it's like, how does that, how do you still feel like you're transmitting that same frequency as you, cause you're playing these sure. songs that are 10 years. Plus yeah. Old. Yeah. That man, that, I'll tell you that, that, that can be a challenge for me. I, I think more so for some of us than for others mm-hmm. in the band, but I have that may, probably because lyrics are, are mine. Right. So for me, it's like, you I, evolve. I'm 41 and mm. it's a saying something I wrote when I was 22 or 23 or something. I, it's not even it doesn't even feel like the same it feels like a cover song sometimes you know wow and sometimes i actually have to treat it that way to to like like take it with a grain of salt a little bit like mm. it's still something that we put out so it's still fun to play once in a while but i'm always i would say always and i use that rarely mm. more attracted to the like the newest material that we've made is always something you know because that's the that's like my current state of mind mm-hmm. and that's where i feel like I'm most comfortable musically and lyrically and all of that. So, yeah, there is that. And I'm sure that everybody that's, you know, people have been around, think about like a Bruce Springsteen or something, or Dylan, Mm. who's like, Mm. you know, Dylan's in his 80s. And then think about something you wrote 60 years ago or something and trying to be authentic. It's not really going to be. But Mm. on, on one hand. But on the other hand, it is because it's still the same life. You know, it's the same person. So... Uh, we throw in some some old songs that I that I could have lived without once in a while for sure. <laughs> but <laughs> that's because the people different. like them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. Maybe maybe for no other reason that it's rare that we play them, or maybe you know how for me I'm this way with bands that I like, right? Where whatever the first record is that I heard from them usually has a real special place, right? And so for those people that like our first record was what maybe you know, and they're like they're. 15 years older now or whatever uh, their lives are way different you know but they still you still like if you if you really like a band that something about that like the first record you hear from them will always have a special place in your heart i think and so if, oh. for some people maybe our first records like that right and whatever it's it's uh it's still it's still fun to do it it's 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 nice to have that much material to pick from i'll say that you guys have a fuck ton of songs man lot of songs yeah i know i i so i put out a solo album last year and a solo ep this year mm. and i have wow one show i had a tour booked that got, all got wiped out right um so mm. i have like i have one show with that group um and we were you know i start to write down the list of songs like every single song that i have in that project still doesn't make up enough time for a set you know what i mean (laughs) it's like looking at it from that perspective i remember being that back there and uh that's that's exciting in its own right i suppose 
Because it's a new challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like maybe with how long you guys have been into it now, like you understand the cyclical nature of the challenges that sure. this band has. Yeah, for me, it's important to reach out and find those new ones, like you said, like right. a new band. And even if you make like an album or don't or play a sh- one show or a hundred shows, right. just like a, the, the newness of it. Oh, and wow. And that helps me come back to this with a fresh kind of state of mind, I think. Right, because this is more like this. This definitely is a is also a business. Like, yeah. Right, and so yeah. like you go in, like people expect a certain thing out of it, and you know, there's you understand where it's going to go. It's probably not a lot of exploitation. It's, a, it's a, or it is exploit. It's not explore. Right. Yeah. I mean, we still try to keep a, an amount of that in there. I think all of us would go crazy if we didn't allow that to be there. Yeah. Totally. But um, wow. it it uh, I. For me, it's like there's nothing barring us from trying whatever we want in this band. But mm. I think like just the simple fact of playing music with other people mm. and maybe writing in a different way. You know, I have an instrumental band that's just kind of like a, a atmospheric kind of droney thing. Um, our guitar tech plays guitar with me in that actually. Like a Daniel Lanois kind of. No, thing. not that. Not that. Uh, Speaking of Dylan, like there's yeah, 90s right. Dylan records. Not, with. not that. Like, uh, I don't know how to say that. More, more like not that good. No. <laughs> That's not what I mean. But his, you know, his instrumental music's like seems to me like like written instrumental pieces or whatever. Oh, like a composition. Yeah, but right. these are more like improvised, uh, ambient, you know, mm. get electric guitar effect driven kind of things and it is so much fun and i don't know Mm. if it would even i don't know if it would work live or not we have never had the chance to do it but it's such a great outlet for me to to go and just be a musician and not a lyricist too Mm. and just play and explore sound and stuff like so i have that and you know like those little things to go off and do on the side for me make make this more fun and and kind of i always get you know whenever you work with other people whatever i work with other people i always come back with new ideas mm-hmm. and new ways to think about a song or whatever so it helps in all sorts of ways i wonder if that comes from you trying to like um keep in mind that you can learn something from everyone that you come in contact with yeah don't forget that that's it's important like, yeah right no matter who they are really that's the thing but it's like you're a successful you know, musician, and it's like, and you're all in like a good way too, and not like some like viral like TikTok way that like you don't know how to like recreate it. But it's a way that's truthful. It's like I feel like man, like people can forget that they even forget. Oh, yeah, his, yeah, for know. sure. It's easy to get kind of secure, maybe. Isn't that scary? And, and maybe even lose the desire to learn anything new. I think is really scary. That's when the music gets really sad. Yeah, and, and carnival like. Right, Dance and, and you just, then you become kind of a cover band of yourself in that way as well, I feel like. It's the scariest thing. Yeah, and you know, like, we all hope for a long career in music. I mean, it's really hard to do. It wears you out. It's, you know, the money is really up and down. All the things, like, as far as a, when you think about it as a career, like, it's it's a really unstable landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like for me, I love... I can't think of anything else I'd rather do. So I have to find ways to make this work uh, on a business side, which is not really my strong point, but also work on a creative side and for a long time, you know? And so I feel like that, like what you said, like the continuing to try to learn and change and grow the entire time and not just coast is, is the goal. Whoa. Do you ever catch yourself coasting? Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, I really feel it too. And yep. I get mad, mad at myself, you know. Yeah. Um, but then when I do that, man, I, I just try to start a new project or try to start something new um, or try to start something new within this band, you know, but just like something has to spark. Um, and, you know, this break that we just had, mm. I feel like sparked a lot of that stuff with a bunch of us anyway. And a lot of other musicians and writers that I talked to, too, it was this whole, like, if you needed something to shake you up a little bit, um, oh I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but it's like the, I had so much, so many of us had a lot of time to, to either try to make art or make something throughout that period or to completely not, you know, right. And I did both. The first six months I, we were off the, off tour, I didn't pick up a guitar. I didn't try to write word i just did everything else in my life that i hadn't been doing <laughs> was that like you exercising know? sleeping it was yeah sleeping like eating vegetables yeah. like, you know mainly hanging out with my kids but do you eat me fishing i do yeah yeah uh fishing you know just being doing all these like home things yeah man and then once i feel like it was like a palate cleanser yeah and then i started to write like crazy which has been great Isn't and i found all, all these outlets for it and it's it's been really really cool and uh you know i think the hopefully not a forced break, but like an extended break from any, any thing like a band that's together all the time. It can be a really good thing. It's really hard to do. It's really mm-hmm. hard to make yourself do it unless somebody else makes it happen for you. I feel like, but it's, it's become a real, a real important tool. I feel like for us. So creating like a thing that I've noticed in during COVID now that COVID I we're kind of bookmarking it, but it's hard to do because yeah. it's such an abstract thing. Right. It's like when you're when you're writing now. I bet when you were writing during COVID, you were just writing things just to write. Sure. Right. You Lots. weren't thinking about how it's going to hit on stage or or how what what yeah. part of the set it's going to be in. And is how do you fit that like expectation of your work into your creative process? Or do um, you just create? I try, I try not to. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's not there. Right. I just try to to not focus on it. It, I mean, those things do come up when I, you know, say I finish a song or something and I play it and those things immediately pop into my head. You can't I can help think it. about doing it live because that's what we do. You right. Know? Um, but I really like to try to approach a record at, um, making albums as a completely different art form as live performance, right? Is it for you guys? Yeah. It's, well, yeah. I don't know if it is for everybody in the band. I would, yeah. I think so, though. It is for me. I know that. Um, it, it is because I like I, I like to think of, you know, live is I mean, I don't think it needs explanation, but li- mm-hmm. live is is, is, is a spur. It's like flash in the pan. It mm-hmm. happens for a second. And it's gone. It's beautiful. And right. Yeah. And, you know, if you weren't there, you missed it. And an album hopefully lasts for at least the rest of your life, if not after that. Right. Um, and so that's something. And I honestly don't think I put any more thought into one or the other, but uh, <laughs> more planning and more oh. work goes into a record. It totally does. Yeah. yeah. Um, not premeditated, though. Well, we, we haven't... We've all, I, no, no, not really. I mean, the songs are. Yeah. But, you know, for instance, the last couple albums that we made, I would write this group of songs, and then we would just... The band would just kind of learn them in the studio... And we, we, we all, you know, not always, but generally first couple takes or something like that. It's real kind of spur of the moment, which I love. How do you trust that? that? Trusting yourself. You know, with these guys. Right. But I don't think that's, that's just how we've done a few, 
we've done a couple albums in a row like that. We're working on one now that's probably going to be a little more thought out, which was is more of some of the other guys' preferred method of working. And I'm really excited about that because left to my own devices, I'm just like, cut it live, sing it live. That's take is great. Because like you want to move on to the next thing. I do, yeah. And I, I really also, on an artistic level, generally prefer, not always, but I'll generally prefer what happens in the beginning of when people learn a song. Like there's this beautiful mm. thoughtlessness to playing, I feel like, and it's real loose, you know, because nobody's kind of, Nobody thinks they're really recording it yet. Right. You know, there's this thing that never happens again. Lack of ego. And it might get better, you know, but it never has that thing. And that's a really fun thing to find. But, um, yeah. you know, this time around, we're, we're, we're going to try to make an album some point this year. And we've already talked about maybe, you know, trying it the other, a different way this time, which I'm excited about because it, that's the other thing. I mean, there's one thing trying to keep your live experience fresh you know for the artist and the other thing is after this long and mm. a bunch of records trying to make their album making process fresh you know make you feel like you're actually doing something different than you did last time mm. you know do you every song you write does that rec- that goes on the record or you just do you batch it like in 20 30 songs no it's i don't write that many songs i write like time? i kind of write like a record of mm. songs and then maybe right. i'll have a co- I, not maybe i usually have a couple laying around say one of those isn't really working out or whatever, just to substitute in or whatever. But I've never, I'm not that prolific. I write a lot, but it takes me a long time to make a song. Like it, it comes in real big swings and phases. And by the time the this pile and it turns into like a song at the end, mm. you know, it can be a year or six months or sometimes it's a week, but it's, it can, <clears throat> it can take me a long time. So I usually, when I have, I usually work with like, I want to make an album the band wants to make an album or another project or whatever. I got like kind of a general time frame when that's going to happen. And then I start writing it. Like now I'm writing on an album, you know, and mentally uh, you're there. Get, yeah. Yeah. Try to try to distill that into like what I feel like is kind of feels like a record and then go into the studio with those. Boy, that's scary. Yeah. But I, I also like the thought of writing 30 songs to me within a year is terrifying to me too. Cause I just, they don't pop out of me that fast. And you don't try to make them pop out of you that fast either, <clears throat> no. which is admirable. No, but yeah. I, I mean, I'm jealous of that sometimes, you know, yeah. like I have some friends that write like that. It's like they show up to the studio with 35 songs or whatever. I'm like, whoa, first of all, you probably need a producer <laughs> if you're there. Yeah. But second, like, <laughs> right. Where the, you know, it's just not my style. It takes all kinds of it. Man, I feel like there's so much, like right now we're in such a hard time. For you to say that's not my style, because there you have instant access to exponential success from ten different styles of doing something. Sure, like the guy who writes a hundred songs right. is going to be so successful, and the guy who writes you know a song, uh, you know, twenty songs in a year. Yeah, that guy's also going to be very successful. It's interesting. So something that I'm personally, and people who are listening to this as well, guys that are around my age or, or creatives that are a little younger. How do you, and how, when were you, uh, it might be hard to remember, when were you cool with just like, you do you? That's um, your style. I feel like I, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I'd like to say that it's always been that way, but I'm sure it hasn't. It seems like it, man, because like the, you guys, when you guys first release your first collection of music, it's, it's so realized. Well, yeah, I, you know, there, there's might be something in that about like what I was saying a little bit ago about how we approached it is we really just kind of go in there and like 
counterproduce it. You know what I mean? Um, oh, whoa. And that always that hasn't always been this intentional thing. It was just what we did. And then it became, you know, I'm really into, it's also influential, or I take it from probably influences on myself that I really like. Like, um, I love like Neil Young and Crazy Horse and that kind of style where it's loose and, you know, but like, there's this like, weird magic there that... Like Magic Pill? That record? <laughs> like, what is that record? Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, like, some... And, you know, the, Neil would make people switch all the instruments that they never played before and, like, try to take like that. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, I think that's the same thing, like, this this initial thing that happens when somebody doesn't know a song and tries to play it. Wow. <laughs> and, this, you know, it, a couple times through, it might be this... It's this really cool... Um, it's this really cool experience that won't ever happen again, but it's not, it's, you know, it's not gonna be like technically by far the technically the best version of that song, but it's something else. It's hard, oh, I don't yeah. know what to say, but like Tom Waits, I feel like that, you know, oh, yeah. just something, this, this kind of raw approach to recording that I've always been a fan of. And I feel like if you're doing that, then there's really not a lot of, you can't think about it too much. There's no really room for a lot of pretense there, you know? Right. Um, that comes maybe more in like, I'm going to make this thing sound like this certain thing, which is fun as well to think about. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like you get to a certain point too where you're like, you're not going to do something better. You're just going to do something different. Yeah. After so many takes. Absolutely, yeah. You know, three, four, five takes of the same song. It's that, like, that's right. That's about my limit with anything. And, you know, not saying that we're going to get it that fast, but uh, oftentimes we do. But... If we don't, then that's when I have to move on to something else and come back. Oh, you know? wow. That's interesting. So you'll just abandon something. Yeah, I'll just like, we'll t- try this one tonight, you know? Oh, wow. Because I, I start to lose my, for me, and for some of the other guys in the band, if not everybody, yeah. after four or five takes, I feel like people start to just try to get through the take without screwing up. Right. Accuracy. And then, yeah, right. instead of going for whatever you're going for at the beginning. Right. You know? You kind of, to me, I lose, I lose my emotion and I just like, just don't be the one that screws this one up. You know yeah. what I mean? And you got a bunch of guys like staring at their instruments. Yeah. Trying not to fuck up. And that's like, that's about the least rock and roll thing you can imagine, I feel like. And it, no, it's always the third chorus too, where you fuck it up. It's always like right when you're about to finish. So close to the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about Taking Chances Lot? Because this is, this is probably the biggest show that we've played in, in some time opening for you tonight. And, um, I want to take a chance. Like, so I put a song on the set list that's like, let's go. Like, yeah, they've only cool. played it two or three times. And the guys in the band are like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> but that's what these people, they actually like subconsciously might not know it, but listeners of, of what you do and, and, and what I do, they kind of like that liveliness and that flash in the pan. I think so too. Take a chance. Even if you screw up, I think it's okay. Then they were there to be a part yeah. of it. And the ego. I, it took me a while to get there for that, like the, the screwing yeah. up part. Because I... I I mean, I'm not scared to make, I make mistakes every show. You know? Yeah, And of everybody course. does. Who does Um, But you know, like the big ones where it's like, oof, like <laughs> the song kind of stops or something like that. Yeah, you forget the second verse, first line. Done know? it so many times. Oh, man. And you, and after you do it, you know it's possible. Before, you know, before yep. I forgot an entire song on stage, <laughs> I didn't even know I would ever do that. But now <laughs> that, that I know it's there and it can come back, you know, <laughs> right. there's this kind of a psychological game you have to go through. But totally. I think I think that's great. You know, that's what keeps it fresh. You, like you said, throw something in. You know, we're doing a couple songs tonight that we, I can't say this because we haven't played any songs for a long time. But 
even before the our little break, you know, we there's a couple of tunes where we really are not familiar with them, and we're already rusty. But it's like yeah. you have to find something, you know. You do to do. You gotta almost summon the spirit yeah. of the present moment. Yeah, you gotta you? get a little. You know, everybody's own version of dangerous, but that you know, mm. uh, just just especially if you know in the middle of a longer tour or something like that, just to completely switch up the set and do some songs that you haven't played for a long time or just do like a weird cover song that you just thought of that day or something. Yeah. So I'm glad y'all have that same inclination. Yeah. Cause I thought I was getting crazy thinking like, yeah, we've definitely toured with bands, man. We've, we've, we've done some tours with bands that, um, were very, very much like it was more, it was, they're great bands, but the show itself was more like a scripted play. Yep. You know, every single night it was the same. The oh, front, top to bottom, even the banter was the same. That's and weird. in the exact same spots. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of technical production happening. Some of these bands have like tracks that they're playing to mm. and like click tracks and stuff like that. So there's... That's different. It, yeah, you have to like cement it in a little bit more when you're doing that. But um, mm. uh, it was interesting to see. <laughs> and I, I, when I watched this like fourth or fifth night, I was like, man, I think I'd go crazy if I had... If I had wasn't able to like divert from that. Right. For whatever reason. There's something to be said. Like you probably have a great, by the end of that tour, you're, that show is probably fucking great. Oh and yeah. And people are like, that was a great show. But they didn't know that eight nights in a row before that, it was the exact same show. And I, I, I'm saying that without judgment. Like, oh, of course. Everybody do your own thing. And there's a beauty in that that I, I can't do because I just, I get so angry at that in myself. Right. You know? It's almost like you're trusting the external vehicle of a show in what the art that you're doing, and the ones that I love too, that, that I take as well, is I'm entrusting in the in, in the internal vehicle of myself right. to be as refined. Sure. So every night's going to be a refined, at least um, intuition that we're going off of. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. At least if the show's not as on, I'm as on. You right. know? And you're trying for that to be the thing. Yeah. Man, watching y'all's live uh, performances, like I, I feel like that's where you, where you're coming from. It seems like where each night might be a little bit different, but your energy is definitely similar. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. And I feel like um, making each night a little different helps us stay there. Whoa. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's um. Okay. So with that, then. How do you go about doing these short tours? Because these, for me, we're doing them as well. And it's like three, four shows in. That's like when I'm just getting ready. Right, yeah. I, I feel that way too. Especially this uh, this, this one in particular is four shows. And we haven't played a show in over a year. Wait, this is your first you know? show? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so we will. But I feel like we're going to be there, hopefully yeah. given some leeway in that by everybody involved. Because nobody, I, mean, you know, I imagine even the crowd's going to be rusty. <laughs> but, right, know, they're rusty too. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, the crew is, everybody's just rusty. And hopefully there'll, well, there'll be some magic in that. Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I'm the same, right? Like three or four shows in and then you really feel like the things, the machine's working right. Um, but if you got four shows, then it's got to get working earlier, I guess. Well, you got to like, make you it know? happen. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, I, like, I like short tours like this too because it's, uh, it's not as big. I mean, I, you know, longer tours are great in their own right for performance wise i think those are probably better like you know they get the longer swing to to figure out the show but the shorter two has the as a real temporary nature to it which i think is great and you just you know that you're gonna be out here for four 
four concerts and it's it might even be more apt to make each one different from each other because it's not a, such an intimidating number yeah you know or whatever i i th- i think like i i really i really enjoy the short trip it all boils down to presentness i guess is, is what yeah, it sounds like sure. for you even yeah, yeah. like creating too and recording or totally that's been like a, a very common theme in everything that you're saying is you kind of rely on being present yeah being aware. And it's it, it's a challenge for me. Is it? Yeah, it is. But that's a, it's a one that I I love. Like that's that's what keeps me interested in making music. And Whoa. it's kind of just like the right now, you know. Wow. Do you ever do you read uh, stuff yeah. to to take that in? Like be here now or um, or, or Alan Watts I haven't things read like be here that. Now it's at my house, but I've never read it. I feel like no, everyone has a copy I, of I'm it. I'm trying to think if there's anything I've read that's like directly in line with that. Um, I, I was. This might be a little bit far off, but there's Ooh, this like great that. little book I have that that I read a lot. That's called uh, Daily Rituals, and it's a collection. Love that book. You do, you know it, yeah, right. So it's a, for those of you that don't. It's a collection of of people's mm-hmm. daily routines, like creative people's routines. Hemingway, Beethoven, Hemingway, yeah, you Twain, know, musicians, artists, writers. And it's so fascinating to me. And that is such a great motivational tour for me because I'm not that way. Like I am. <clears throat> You're not a rich fool. No. Yeah. And I've tr- I, no, I try. I've tried so many different little schedules and I imagine <laughs> I will keep trying them because That's for me, it's the, like yeah. the attempt is kind of what counts. And right. I know that about myself that I, uh, you know, a rigid schedule is just not who I am. And mm-hmm. that's what one of the reasons why I love this line of work. You know, uh, mm. I like things to change all the time. Yeah, man. And so but reading about how much these people worked on their craft and their art, that's the inspirational part to me. Because I'll, you know, there's a lot of other things parts of life that are easy to give attention to and it's really easy to sacrifice like your writing time or Mm -hmm, you know whatever it is you're doing and so that's where i i that's in kind of the line of being present that like to keep to keep working on it yeah don't forget this part of your day even if it's not you know from 9 30 a.m to 11 45 just get it in there somewhere yeah because all the people that that i you know those people these are like people that created at such a high level they all did that. Right. And they all do that now. Like if you're going to, if you're going to keep creating, you have to just keep creating because kind of a use it or lose it thing for me, I feel like. Wow. So even you took that six months off, then, then you get back to it. And what's your process then? Or is it, it's probably similar to what you're doing now. Do you yeah. try to write it every day? <coughs> I do then? write something every day. Whether and it's musical though, that's different. Not, you know, sometimes oh, poetry, writing exercises, uh, I don't keep a journal, but once in a while I'll have a journal entry. That's just what I did for the day. Mm-hmm. Like just something to keep the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I'll get um, song bits from all of that stuff. So I, oh, it's, wow. it's just, I feel like stream of consciousness writing is really healthy for me anyway. And just like write whatever's on your mind and go with it. And then, you know, there are certain times where I, I have a little uh, like a writing studio, like separate from where I live. Uh, like a mini recording studio and I'll go there and then when I'm there I'm usually intent on working on songs yeah space and so I try to get when I'm home you know I'll get there maybe three days a week and Mm. go there and that's like okay let's take this pile of stuff you've written this week or whatever and see if there's a song in there or you know I always have like these half done songs laying around to try to add on to or whatever and so I do try to to focus on songs specifically sometimes Why'd you never uh, leave Minnesota? Probably because we leave all the time. <laughs> <you know? laughs> right. 
Yeah, and that's for, great. for me anyway, yeah, you man. know, I got married yeah. fairly young, had kids. How I, old I were wouldn't you? say I was, had kids when I was young, but I was married when I was 25. We oh had our first gosh. kid when I was 30. Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, the, we started touring, touring when I was probably 25, 26. And so wow, already there was a, I, weren't kids in there yet, but there was a home life there. You were married when you started touring. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, and she had a full, she was a teacher. And so we had like a life there. And so mm. I feel like if I hadn't taken a touring lifestyle, I would have never stayed in the same place for very long. But for, for what we were doing, it's like, it's kind of, it's a great place to come home to, you know? Yeah, right, because it's not a city, city in the yeah, sense of an industry yeah. city. No, yeah, Minneapolis is like, it's it's got. I mean, there's there's cool music there, there's cool food there, there's cool art. You yeah. know, it's a small place. It's easy for me to get out to do stuff. I like to do like like out in the outdoors. It's not far from that kind of stuff. So it's a good little home base. It's a good place to raise the kids. You know, our families are there, so. Um, that that's how that's you know that's great especially with kids but I was never I never really had a, an inclination to go to like Nashville or LA or New York or anything like that yeah. for music anyway I think that's reassuring for people because a lot of people you know I grew up in Nashville uh, by happenstance um, people are always asking when do I move to Nashville right yeah. it's like really it's that just... might be a different career path than I was on though you know what I mean mm. I feel like people are moving to Nashville not everybody, but there is the, I mean, you live there, so you probably see it all the time. But my estimation is that there is a person, a musician that moves to Nashville because they want to become a famous musician mm-hmm. or a very successful musician. And they're like, want to make hits. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that is like, if you do want to do that, you should probably get your butt to Nashville. Right. You know? Um, that was never really what we were doing. You know, it's like none of us would probably be good at that anyway. And so we just would wanted when we were probably in that time where we would have done that, our early twenties or whatever, we just wanted to tour. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Oh, yep. Okay. Let's wrap it. I got a roll. So good talking Thanks, to brother. you. Thank you for the time, my friend. Beautiful. Dave Simonette of Trampled by Turtles, y'all. One of my absolute favorite stringed bands that there ever was i hope you all can go and listen to one of my favorite songs of theirs a song called truck which is a uh instrumental song but we when we saw them play it live the lights were going and it was this uh whirlwind of like 145 beats per minute plus emotion um indeed go check them out they're going on tour for for most of next year as well so if they come to a town near you please do indeed um, invest the evening because I can assure you they put on a fantastic live show. There's improvisation, there's jamming, there's communication, and there's just amazing songs that stick around for years to come. And thank you, the listener, for listening to the Lost Highway Podcast. This is episode 63. We are brought to you by Osiris Media. This road needs a place to go. Also, our friends over at Topo Chico, keeping us hydrated when Cosmic Country is on tour, and then also when we're back here at home. Uh, betterhelp.com slash Lost Highway for uh, help. Sometimes we need help. Uh, you need to talk to somebody who knows how to analyze you and see your patterns and help you with your anxiety, your depression, anything like that. Betterhelp.com slash Lost Highway for 10% off. And then also Amorphot Tea. 
Uh, Frederick Nietzsche, right? So my formula for greatness in a human being is a more thought to you that one wants nothing to be different, not forward, not backward, not in all eternity. Eternity. So it doesn't mean you don't work to, to strive to improve your better immediate environment, but it also means that you have a responsibility to the daily life and the universe that is uh, you are in, that is also within you, that um, you accept it for what it is because acceptance is the only way to lead to change. I appreciate y'all. Thank you guys so much. Y'all keep it cosmic. Stay patient, persistent, stay positive, and I'll see y'all down this lost highway of life next time. Osiris.